ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Greg Dutcher is not joining us tonight. Greg is taking some much-deserved time off. Uh, instead, I have a new co-host, temporary co-host. Don't worry, Greg, I'm not replacing you. A uh, good friend of mine from growing up, Jamie Josephs. Jamie, how are you tonight? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, we're going to get to you in a second, Jamie. Um, get to know you, your bio and all that stuff. But first, um, just a couple quick announcements. Uh, Mission Aware. Uh, one of our sponsors is uh, they have decided that they like us and they're going to renew us. So we are going to be promoting them a lot more on this podcast. Um, Greg had talked a lot about um, the morning surge with Spurge. And, um, you know, I am more of a T-shirt and poster guy. So I was, you know, just clicking around looking at some of Mission Aware's uh, T-shirts and posters. And I got to say, uh, their poster selection is great. Um, they have the whole Book of Romans on a poster, 24 by 36 poster that you can get. Um, or you could, you know, if you're really geeking out on the Book of Romans, you can get it in Greek. Um, they also have the Five Solos poster. And then I was looking around and they also had this uh, great quote by St. Augustine uh, that I really love. If you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it is not the gospel you believe, but yourself. Um, so they have that one in, as a poster as well. So, so many great options over there. Go ahead and uh, check out Mission Aware. Um, and uh, Greg's mentioned the uh, discount you can get from them. I forgot what it is. That shows you how prepared I am without my host. Um, and uh, you can go ahead and check them out. Also, um, Pop Culture Ninja, the uh, sister podcast or spinoff podcast of These Go to 11, don't forget to subscribe to them on iTunes. Um, you're going to want to do that even if you um, follow These Go to 11 because some of the prizes uh, that you can get from These Go to 11 and Pop Culture Ninja are going to be split. For example, uh, some of you remember me mentioning the Honey Go Wine and Spirits Beer Fest. Um, this is going to be September 24th from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. And we have one ticket to give away on these go to 11 and one ticket to give away on Pop Culture Ninja. And um, if you, as we start blasting out things for Honey Go Wine and Spirits, if you retweet those things or if you uh, comment on them on Facebook and send them out on your own Facebook page, you will be entered to win uh, the ticket. And it doesn't matter if you are on these go to 11 and win and then you do it on Pop Culture Ninja, we will honor both. So one lucky person could could win two tickets or two people could win one. So go ahead and remember to uh, like and follow Pop Culture Ninja. Enough with the announcements. Um, Want to get to uh, guest Jamie. Um, Jamie, go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I, uh, I'm an actress. I um, started acting when I was about six years old and um, I believe uh, my first play was at a church um, in New Hampshire, and uh, I was a, um, I forget what they call it, some kind of fairy. It was the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, okay. and I fell in love with theater. It was so much fun, and I just decided it was something I really wanted to do, so I ended up going to school for it, and um, after I graduated, I moved to New York and, um, and tried to audition for Broadway. And kind of discovered that um, theater wasn't as much of my passion as I thought it was. It was, uh, it was tough up there. So I ended up um, getting involved in more film projects. Mm -hmm. And not that I don't still love theater, but that's more of my passion now. 
Very cool. And um, tell us about, you know, friends and family, anything like that that you want us to know. Um, well, I have a very good friend of mine that uh, I went to school with. She's my best friend, and uh, she's out in L.A. right now doing very well in the acting world. Um, and I'm, like, so super proud of her. Her name is Rebecca Kennedy. Um, and, and other than that, uh, I have a wonderful husband and a beautiful daughter. And um, right now, most of my attention is focused on them. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And you actually just recently moved from New York, correct? So that you could uh, just focus on your family for a little while? Yes. Yes. I, um, I'm taking a little break. Um, and uh, I, I did move down south and um, hopefully getting back into stuff soon, but no rush. Very cool. Very cool. Now, uh, when you and I had talked uh, initially, or I should say message on Facebook, um, I, I had said that we might get a call from the Reverend James King. Um, he actually, you know what? He has not called, and I am super surprised, especially with you being in uh, the acting industry. That seems like something he would, uh, you know, just kind of get all up in and slam. But uh, fortunately for you, um, you have avoided uh, the call of the Reverend James King. Uh, I know our audience will be disappointed. He is one of uh, he is one of their favorite callers uh, to call in. But but fortunately for you, you have avoided that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, want to talk uh, just a, a little bit about some of your uh, filmography stuff that you've done um, over the years. Uh, and was it 2014, um, one of the first kind of bigger things that you had uh, done was Someone's Watching? Oh, yeah. That was, um, it, it's a show on the ID channel, Investigation Discovery, and it was called Stalked. Mm-hmm. Um, someone's watching and it's basically um, a docudrama so they they take these different uh, stories these real life stories and they um, have actors come and portray these people and um, it's you know it's aired on television on the IG channel okay so it, it was a fantastic project I actually that's one of my favorites Oh, very cool. And tell us a little bit about what you um, what you ended up doing were you one of the victims or one of the stalkers in in that? <laughs> I was actually one of the stalkers, which is so funny because I never get called in for roles like that. Um, and I think I had actually auditioned for them a couple of times and didn't get chosen. And then they brought me into this role and I was thinking, oh, you know, it's probably not going to be my role because, you know, it's kind of like a, a, I guess, a scarier role than sure. I usually play. I usually get called in for like the wife or the girlfriend or something like that. Um, so when they called me in, I was, I was so excited. And when I got the role, I, I was, it was awesome. Um, I got to play, um, a a woman named Linda Riccio Mm -hmm. and, um, she apparently stalked her boyfriend and ultimately killed him, um, in the end. But, um, it was, it was a tough role to play because she, I guess she just had a lot of, um, stuff going on in her mind and it was kind of hard to um you know figure out how to portray her but um mm-hmm. hopefully i did a good job very cool um and then the next one you did was flip is that correct um yes i think i did flip before okay uh, or during that was kind of a, a long project we did um we did some filming and then there was you know, some time went by and I think we did some pickup shots. So I think that was all around the same time. 
Okay, and and what was Flip about? It was, um, it's a story about a man who um, lives with his wife, and he ended up um, spending all of their money flipping houses. Mm. And she left him, and he kills himself. And, um, and then he basically comes back, and he doesn't realize that he is a ghost. So he's following <laughs> a real person around, thinking that he is real. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in the end, he figures out that he's that he's not he's not actually there. Okay, and so this one was actually featured in um, Death: A Love Story, which you can um, can you still get that on Amazon Prime for free? Yeah, as long as you have Amazon Prime, you can you can see it, but okay. not to be confused with. I think there's another one called Death Hyphen: A Love Story or something like that, and ours is Death. Colon, story. So you just have to make sure you get the one that was from this year. Yes, yes, and that one has. Um, I, I believe it still has the picture of the uh, psychotic clown on it. So yes, that'll yes, kind of that would be our director. Okay, <laughs> very cool. Um, and I, you know, just want to let people know that. Um, so you can watch this on Amazon Prime for free. I saw. Uh, there were three different shorts on there, and yours was uh, the first one on there. Uh, very good, by the way. Really enjoyed that one. Um, Thank you. And uh, I, I just want to let our listeners know that the um, the second one probably has um, the the most language in it, and then the third one um, had a lot more uh, sexual content in it as it dealt with um, prostitution. So uh, my my personal favorite was the first one. I thought you did a fantastic job in that. And um, it is uh, kind of an Alfred Hitchcock-esque, Tales of the Crypt-esque uh, type serial where you have these three different stories going on. Um, but if people wanted to, to check out the one that you did with Flip, it is the very first one in that series of shorts. So, um, and like I said, um, you know, it, it really was a, a great, um, great short. So uh, good job with that one. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I think we actually won an award uh, at a festival for that, but um, I can't remember which one, honestly, it was a while ago. Oh, okay. Very cool. And then most recently, you've done um, the 48-hour film project, correct? Yes. Go ahead and yes. talk oh about my that gosh. one. Oh, it's such a ride. Um, I've never done a film contest before, and uh, one of my friends from college had posted something on a board on Facebook, and I just happened to see it, and he was down here in Florida, and um, I decided that it sounded like a lot of fun, and I had time to do it, so he, uh, he had me come up there and... Um, and join in the fun. I um, I went to the... They, they have this um, event beforehand where all of the filmmakers and crew and stuff, they go and they choose a genre. So nothing is written. Nothing is, is decided before this event happens. And it's on the Friday before the 48 hours begins. Okay. So everybody, all of the groups go up and they choose uh, two genres. And they have to choose one of those two they're going to actually um, write a script for. Mm-hmm. So ours was called Fish Out of Water, which um, I guess it, it's like you put somebody in a situation where they don't belong. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess the, the, the best way I could describe it is like the Prince and the Pauper kind of sure. kind of idea. Um, 
So that's what we chose. And uh, and then they give you a character you have to use and a occupation for that character. You have to use a specific prop and you have to use a line. The line was, uh, when when did you get here? Or when did you get here? Um, <laughs> but everybody had to use those uh, those pieces, and then they had to, you know, they had to write a script based on the genre. So all of the all of the writers went, you know, went home and and spent all night writing their scripts, and then you know the actors show up the next day and basically were like, "So, uh, where's our lines, and what do you need us to do?" Oh wow! Um, but it, it was a lot of fun. It was really challenging because um, even though uh, the story. The, the actual fish was the other person in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, my 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 co-star. He was uh, he was mainly shown on on the film, but I had more lines than he did. So I was definitely like studying the entire time, trying to get those lines down so that they came out very naturally. Right, um, and this this the filming all took place within a time period of forty eight hours, correct? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So the the guy that wrote it, uh, that is also was also the director, and then they had their you know their camera guy, their DP, and mm-hmm. he was fabulous. And um, and then the director's wife was the editor. So every time um, they had enough footage, they would dump all the footage, and she would just go in her room and close the door and edit wow. until it was finished. It was crazy. That's it was, I think I got three hours sleep, but it was so so fun. <laughs> Very cool. Um, now, Jamie, I mentioned that um, I, I've known you for a while, and um, I, I mean, when when did you start going to Conquer Christian? Was it? Did you go there when you were in kindergarten? No, I didn't go until um, eighth, no, seventh grade. Seventh grade, okay. Middle school, yeah. Okay, so I would have been in eighth grade at that point. That's a mm-hmm. long time ago. I think your brother. Um, <laughs> Mike and my my brother Christian played sports, um, you know, during some of that time. Um, now, I, I could always remember that, um, you know, you were in the school productions and you were always outside doing other productions. And you had mentioned that, you know, you found that Broadway really wasn't um, the thing for you because mostly what I remember you doing was a lot of those singing type productions. What was it that when you actually got to Broadway – really just changed your mind about that? Well, there's this thing in the industry called equity. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, if you don't know, um, it's, it, a lot of people know about the Screen Actors Guild, so that's for, you know, film actors. Mm-hmm. And equity is for um, stage actors. And equity is it's basically a union, and it's extremely hard to get into. Um, there is, I, I, I actually don't know specifically now how you get into it because I, I think have changed. They've mer- merged with another group called Astra. Um, but when I was in New York, um, you basically could get in two ways. You either had to get uh, into a, an amazing project that would hand you over your equity card mm-hmm. um, and, or you had, to, um, you had to build up points by working for equity theaters. Hmm. And both those things are extremely hard to do. Um, the points were like, I think you had to get like 50 points and you had to do it in so much time. And that, you know, each, each show that you're in, you only get so many points. You have to do a lot of them. Um, and for me, I wasn't willing to leave New York because I was married and I didn't want to leave my husband there because he, he went there with me. 
to support me. Right. So I want to be like, hey, see ya. I'm going to go work at some regional equity theater so that I can make, <laughs> so I can get my points. Right. So every day I was waking up super early. Um, you know, all the stories are true. You wake up very, very early. You get all dressed up. You put on your makeup and you go downtown to whatever um, audition space and you wait in line. And if you're non-equity, you go pretty much last and have to wait a long time because all the equity people get to go first. Mm. And after a while, you know, I didn't have, you know, somebody else paying for me to be there. I had to work as well. So it was after a while, it was just really, really tiring. And I found that the people that I was auditioning for um, weren't necessarily the most welcoming, you know. It's cool when you're when you're learning about all this stuff. They're telling you, you know, the people behind the table they want you to do well. They want you to go in and and sing your heart out and and be the person that they want to hire. But I didn't feel that. Um, I felt like they had heard it all before, and they were kind of just waiting for me to get through my sixteen bars of music and say see ya. Um, and it would have taken a lot of time, I think, for me to go in there and, and get to know all these people and have them say, oh, I remember you from last time, and then consider me for a role. Gotcha. And so personally, I just got a bit discouraged, and uh, I stepped back for a little while, and I, I, ta- I called my best friend who's in L.A. doing film. She's like, you know, maybe you should try doing film. And that's when I did my first student project for a, um, a college in, uh, oh gosh, I think it was in New Jersey. And I loved it. Like loved it. Nice. I was very surprised. Very cool. Now, as um, you know, you're you're a believer. You're a Christian, and one of the things that um, you know we try to do on this podcast is just kind of look at things from the perspective of a Christian. Um, and so, uh, just getting your thoughts on. Um, you know, from, from an, as an outsider, as someone who, who looks in on in the industry, you know, and um, my wife is very big into reading about stars and stars' lives because as a teacher, that's what her students are focused on. So, you know, she likes to stay up to date on what they're reading and listening to and, and looking at. And it really seems like there's a lot of junk and trash out there. As a Christian, how did you kind of navigate through some of that stuff um, and, and you know, still pursue this? Um, I don't know. I guess I don't view it as being, I never viewed it as being as hard as that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I am who I am and I have my beliefs and, um, you know, I, I just try to not judge anybody else for their choices. Um, because I don't think that's my job to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I love to meet people and I love to get to know different people and, um, everybody has a story, you know? Yeah. So I just, um, I guess I just, I myself and I, I go and do my job and I just try to be as loving and non-judgmental as possible. And, um, and, and that's, that's, I guess how I get through it. Sure. No, that's and and that's a great thought because, um, like I said, you know, one of the things that that we really um, try to emphasize um, on here is just, you know, what it's like to live as a believer out in the world, um, and 
you know, for Greg and I, we spend uh, the the vast majority of podcasts that we record just talking about grace and and what does that look like? And for us as believers, I, I think you know we are we are called to be held to a higher standard. Um, we are called to to live our lives for Jesus Christ so that we are able to present the gospel to people. But when we encounter people who do not believe the same things we believe, there's almost this tendency as Christians to judge them, to lash out at them. We see uh, report after report or article after article um, written by Christians who are you know, basically chastising Hollywood and, and things that are being done and things that are being made out in Hollywood. And, you know, the question that Greg and I always come back to is, well, well of course, I mean, they're not believers. So, of course, they're going to be making things like this and doing things like this and saying things like this. And so why would we expect anything um, anything different? And so it's really cool. I, lo- I love how you said, you know, you're just there to do your job and not really, you know, pour that judgment on people. That's um, that, That's so cool. Um, one of the other things that we, we, we like to talk about, um, is as believers, what our liberties are. We recently, um, did a podcast, actually the podcast that we're releasing, um, in in chronological order, it'll be the one a week before this one releases. Um, so last week's podcast, uh, we just recorded and did on, uh, liberties for things that we as Christians can watch because Christians love, you know, getting on their soapboxes. They love getting into hot topics and hot debates um, about what you can and can't watch. Um, as an actress, what are some of those things that you feel uh, comfortable doing on stage or or not doing on stage uh, because you are a Christian? You know, so violence, swear, things like that. Like, what are those things that you feel like, yeah, I have no problem with that. This is a role. I'm portraying a character. And then what are the things you're like, "Mm, you know what? Yeah. Even in a role, even portraying a character, those are some things that I just wouldn't do. Um, well, it's kind of a difficult question because, um, I don't think that I can say, well, I'm not going to do this, 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 and this, but I am going to do this, 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 and this Mm -hmm. just because, um, it, as an actor, I, I don't think that you generally look at things that way. You don't look at it as like tasks that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You look at it as an overall character that you're playing, a role that you're taking on. And uh, and it's interesting because uh, I did I I went through a lot of this process of deciding, you know, um, what I wanted to do and what I was willing to do in college because I, I went to a Christian college. It was a very it, it for the most part it was a very liberal atmosphere. Um, but, you know, we did have, we did have um, you know, those staples there. And, and everybody there knew, you know, that, that you know, it was, it was a college of believers. Uh, most of the people on campus did believe in God. So um, we, you know, we, we had these different shows that we did on stage. And um, they, they weren't, you know, they weren't uh, necessarily Christian theater. Um, it was secular theater, but we had to be careful what we were, what we were doing. So for instance, you know, in West Side Story, we weren't able to show the love scene between, um, 
Maria and Tony. Right. You know, we had to make it more of like he hopped through the window and, you know, and said hello to her and goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we had somebody, I think it was a, a dean or president or somebody came in while I was there and they were like, okay, well, you can't say all these words like you, you know, we, before we could say anything that they said in the Bible, you know, we could say certain words. <laughs> um, but, but anything that wasn't in the Bible, we couldn't say. So, um, so were you calling your cast members like, you know, son of vipers and, you know, wicked wayward children of the devil and things like that? (laughs) How did that work? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it was interesting because, uh, when that happened and, and things started to get a little more strict, there was somebody at my school who, um, who I, I greatly respected at the time, um, who, was like okay we need we need to go talk to this guy he needs to understand and i think he needed to understand what his principles were and i after he explained it to me i was fully on board he said that the only way that you can show people redemption in a story is to is to portray depravity first mm-hmm. and that made so much sense to me it's like yeah well you know you can't you can't show people the you know, coming out of something, coming out of a difficult situation without showing the difficult situation. Mm, yeah. So I, I think I kind of just, um, I, I saw the truth in that and, and, and I guess I just always kind of look at projects like that, you know, I, um, if it's something where I may have to, to do something where I'm like, Oh mom, you're not going to want to watch this part. Um, <laughs> I, I, look at the project as though, you know, is it coming out to be um, a good message in the end? Mm. And there is, there is certain things that I, I will not do. Um, I, I've never taken my clothes off on screen um, or on stage, which actually they do that now. Right, <laughs> um, right. So even more so than they used to. Um, but there, there are certain things that I will choose not to do. But as far as like, the language that's used. Um, if it's something that I feel is unnecessary for the actual role, like it doesn't, it doesn't have a purpose, mm-hmm. and it's just there for shock value. Um, I, I probably would turn a project like that away. Yeah, no, and those. I mean, those are you know great thoughts um, because Greg and I, and now with the pop culture uh, ninja uh, podcasts that Nathan and I do. We spend a lot of time, particularly with pop culture ninja, talking about um, themes in movies and what what does it look like. And I think you hit something there. You know, if you just show people who are constantly redeemed, then it does absolutely nothing for the story in and of itself. You know, and the Bible even portrays that. The Bible spends much of its time talking about the depravity of man and and what that looks like and and who we actually are outside of Christ and why we need Christ, why we need a savior. So I really, I really like those themes that you touched on there with having to look at it and say, you know, does this, does this work with a story? Does this work with, you know, what is trying to be portrayed here? So that's, that's so cool uh, to hear you say that. Um, What would you say or what advice would you give for somebody who uh, is looking to get into this industry. You know, if you could go back 
to you know yourself as a senior in high school um, and just kind of you know say hey these are the things that that you should be doing these are the things that you should be looking for what's some advice that you would give to someone who's looking to get into this industry uh wow that's a really hard question (laughs) i feel like when i was in high school i didn't know anything about this industry i didn't know what i was in for and i kind of had to figure it all out along the way um and you know hindsight is just it's it's a difficult thing yeah um but I guess um, I guess I probably uh, even though I, I would not go back and change where I went to school, um, but I would say that if somebody were really wanting to pursue this career, um, you know, whatever school they go to after, if they do decide that that's what they want to do and they want to study more, it needs to be a place that um, that has more opportunity for them after they leave it. Mm. Um, my school was a great school and I made some really great friends and I met my husband there. And again, I wouldn't trade it, but, um, but as far as, as setting me up for success at the very end, um, personally, I didn't feel that it did that. I did, I did feel it gave me the education and it gave me the tools, but it didn't give me the connections. And this business is all about connections. Mm. Yeah. I mean, even the project that I just did, I knew this guy from college, and I just happened to stay connected through a Facebook group, a closed group. And uh, and and when I got the notification, I was like, oh, you know, I, I'd love to go read his post. But if I hadn't done that, I would have missed the opportunity. Mm. So it's kind of one of those things where you just have to, you have to keep talking to people, you have to network, you have to get out there and just. Never think that a role is too small. Now, how how important was uh, your husband through all of this? Having um, having him, having that support. Um, I mean, could you know tr- try to put yourself in somebody who was going through this, um, being uh, single? I mean, what what do you think the the major differences were with that? Um, I guess. Um, I guess. For me, it was it was a big deal. Um, I, I needed his support. I needed him to move with me, and and I always wanted to live in New York City. That was like a big thing. Actually, I think we almost I think we almost split before we before we got engaged <laughs> because of that very reason. Because he was like, I don't want to go out there. Um, but uh, I'm so glad I brought him up there because it, having him there it was it was really a great thing for me. And um, you know, he gave me that little little encouragement to kind of keep going out there and keep trying. Um, but I don't think that it necessarily has to be a spouse that does that for you. I mm-hmm. think that as long as you have a community of people, a supportive community, um, you know, good roommate, <laughs> whatever you need to do to, uh, to, to get to that place where you're, um, you're able to have that opportunity, whether it's LA or New York or somewhere else, mm-hmm. you do need to have somebody that supports you because, um, it's a really tough industry and you get rejected a lot. Mm. Uh, at least most people. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so uh, aside from having and developing that support in that community, um, you, you know, you talked about, you know, living in New York, you talk about your friend who uh, lives out in LA. How key is it to be in those cities uh, trying to work through uh, your, acting, uh, your acting career? 
Um, well, I would, I would say if you want to be, it, it depends on where you want to be. I mean, I, I don't look at my acting career and say, oh, I want to be, you know, um, really, really a big, big star like, you know, Angelina Jolie or Julia Roberts or whoever. Mm-hmm. I don't look at my career like that. I, I love doing independent projects. I think that they are real and gritty and um, just a lot of fun. And I'm not saying I would turn it down to be famous right. and be in those like million dollar movies <laughs> uh, or billion dollar movies, whatever. Sure, sure. Maybe, but um, but I I don't need to get there. That's not what I want. But if if that's what somebody wants, if that's like their ultimate goal is to be that star, then to be in those cities is necessary but there's film all over there is film and probably most of the states here there are communities so you know if you're looking for an independent project um you know i don't know where you look you just have to network you have to talk to people uh there's no like like one place that you go i mean backstage is a great resource um and there are a couple other uh film and and theater type of websites that you can you know get a profile and get um, jobs sent to you that you can go audition for, mm-hmm. but they're definitely few and far between if you're not in one of those major major hubs. Sure. Do you think connecting with uh, colleges and college students, uh, film students, is a good way? You know, I, again, for somebody who's not necessarily interested in you know, jumping into Hollywood, jumping into the main scene, connecting with some of those film students, would that be a, a good way for somebody to to get into it and, and look at it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are probably, that's where I started. That was my first project was for um, a college in New Jersey. And uh, it was, it was an awesome project. I loved the script and I loved the director and I loved my co-stars they were really, really great, and everybody worked so hard, even though it was, you know, student film that wasn't going to be at any festivals or anything like that. And I don't even think he ever finished it. We, I think we got, like, a rough copy, but, um, but it was great experience because you need to know certain things about being on a film set before you can actually do a project that's going to pay you. Sure. You need to know what the director says before you start, you know, and you need to know what's going on and your angle, your camera angles and, you know, all, all sorts of different things, how your, your volume level, your, you know, where you are in the, in the, in the frame. Mm. So it would be a great experience to work on a student film if you're just starting out. Nice. So let me ask you, um, having, having gone uh, to college and gone through college, uh, I'm assuming that the things that you were taught in college were important. Um, you know, I'd hope anybody who goes to a school and, and actually pays money would come out saying, yeah, I learned a lot from it. My, ed- you, you know, you said you got a great education from it. Um, what was the difference between your, your education, the classroom work and the actual on the job training sort of stuff that you went through? What was the difference? Yeah. I mean, w- would you say that, yeah, you know, going to classes, those were great. I was able to really learn and develop all the tools and techniques I needed to. Um, and so you were completely ready to go out and do those projects? Or would you say, you know, that going out and being in the films and doing the films was uh, a greater help? Or was it really a combination of both those things put together? 
Oh, it's totally a combination. And honestly, I don't think I've had enough class. I think that if somebody really, really wants to do this, they should continue to take class. Um, class is really, really important. It keeps you sharp and you're always learning new techniques and, um, you know, there's a lot of different methods that you can, you can use as an actor. And my school, um, the reason why I think it gave me a great education is because, uh, the, the, the woman that was running the department at the time, she, um, she knew her stuff. She was, she was really great. And, and all of the classes that I took taught a different method of acting and um and I connected with one of them in particular but I'm glad that I learned all of them because I think I use all of them a little bit. Now what cl- what types of classes um because you you know you're saying all different types of classes um you you've used a lot what types of things are you are you talking about? Um well there's there's different acting methods there's you know you can you can learn from Uta Hagen, you can learn from Meisner. Meisner is my absolute favorite. I think that the way that he taught just makes sense to me, and uh, and that's what I I have loved about it. But I mean, you can you can go to a lot of classes. You can do a scene study class um, that you're actually like working in scenes with different people, you know, and and doing different characters and kind of like breaking them down and learning how to like um, start to you know uh, build the character. And and um, I mean, there's a lot to it, but you know, there's these different classes are out there for. So you can take all of them. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's like Shakespeare classes too, which uh, are classical, I guess, is a better word for it. Um, they do a lot of like uh, Shakespeare type work. And, and that's not something that I never personally got into. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's more, I think, used for theater. I, I Some film actors would just like, like get very mad at me for saying that. So I don't, I don't know if I want to say that. But... Um, but, uh, you know, there's certain classes that you connect with and certain teachers that you connect with and certain methods. So you just have to find and try out as much as you can. Sure. And I think that, you know, in the end, you'll find one that works for you and you'll find a teacher that works for you. But it's still good to diversify. Very cool. So, um, Jamie, right now, I just I want to give you some time just to um, talk about some of... Um, some of the the projects and and we did go through the projects that you've done and and you talked more generally about them but just some of the things that um you know you went through on set you know good good bad and ugly um things that you found uh were 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 kind of lessons learned for you uh while working on some of these projects um go ahead and start with uh Let's start with some of the bad things that that you went through working on some of the film stuff, and we'll end with the good stuff. Um, so, what, what are some of the things that you were going through on these projects, and uh, just you know, it, it really it wasn't all that you thought it was going to be, or things weren't really coming together or working out for you. Um, I would probably have to chalk up the bad experiences mostly to like my nerves just getting the best of me. I think it's really, really hard to deal with not only your nerves, but the adrenaline that happens when you're, when you're starting to do a scene. Um, if, you know, most of the time I think I'm fairly good under pressure, mm-hmm. but sometimes I kind of let it get the best of me and, and then I don't feel like I perform as well. And cause I'm just thinking too much in my head and thinking, Oh, you know, I think, I think, I think, um, <laughs> it kind of just like gets you after a while. 
And I remember when that happened to me, um, I did a, a pilot for a series. It's called Precipice. And it was an awesome project. Um, the, the director was, he was great. He was, he was in the film, he wrote the film, and he was directing the film. Um, which, you know, a lot of them actually do. But uh, the first day I got on set, I, I, had, I had a main role. I was the main female in the film, and it was it's a, basically a series about the mob. And, um, and I was playing, like, the innocent girlfriend, of course. And I got so nervous the first day. And my co-star, I met him before. We had worked on, you know, the scene. We'd read through it. And, you know, he, he was a bit older than me. He had more experience than me. And I think I just kind of, like, didn't feel like I was fully ready for that and kind of or, or thought I wasn't. And, and I feel like I didn't do very well that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember talking to him about it and just telling him, like, oh, man, I'm just so nervous. And he's like, oh, you just got to relax. You just got to relax. And then the next time, the next day that we that we went there, I was like, all right, I'm ready. I'm not going to let this happen to me again. This is horrible. And um, that day, I got so many compliments from the crew, and they were like, oh, you nailed it. You know, second time, you nailed it. And that was so encouraging. And I found that a lot in the film industry. They want you to do so well, and they're so, they're so willing to throw you all those words of encouragement, and you just have to be willing to receive it. Um, and and not let let yourself get in the way of all of that. I think that was my 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 one of my worst experiences. And other ones, I guess if I had to name any other ones, I can remember times when I just didn't know to ask things. Because communication is not the best on some of the uh, on some of these sets. I mean, I'm sure if you're out in Hollywood, you're on some big project, everybody knows their job. Everybody's communicating. But in these smaller independent projects, you know, they may have a budget, but they may not um, have ironed out all of the all of the communication that should go on between everybody. And I remember when I was doing Stocked for the ID channel, which was my, you know, my first appearance on television, I was very excited about it. The first day went so great. The second day, not so good because I didn't bring the right clothes back that I was supposed to bring because somebody had told me I didn't need to do it. And uh, I was late because it was a big snowstorm. And um, I, I got, I think the, the lady that owns the property that we were on, she was like, oh, come see my pool. And so I went with her without telling anybody. And they were like, where did you go? We were waiting for you. And I, I it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was supposed to tell anybody. You know, this woman, I just assumed it was okay. Right. And I, 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 was, I, I learned a lot. Let's just say that. <laughs> I learned a lot about making sure that someone always knows where you are and that you know exactly what you're supposed to bring and all of that stuff. It was, it was hard lessons, but sure. only had to learn them once, hopefully. Right, right. <laughs> Well, and, and I think that's encouraging and refreshing for people to hear is, you know, mistakes happen. You know, I mean, one of my, I, my, you know, it's funny because whenever I ask for DVDs or Blu-rays or anything that comes out, I always want like the Uber special edition stuff because I love all the behind the scenes stuff. You know, I love the outtakes. I love the gag reels. I love the commentaries because it just shows like, yeah, this was a great polished film but you know there's a lot that went into making it look like what you saw 
on the screen, you know, and so you see all of those kind of nitty gritty behind the scenes stuff that really fascinate me. Um, you know, that this is, this is a job, this is a trade like anything else and, um, nobody's perfect. So you're going to make mistakes and you're going to, to fall and fail in certain areas. And, and like you said, hopefully you're only making the mistakes once, but I, I've seen some of those gag out real, you know, those gag takes and, and things like that. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, 14, 15 or 20 times before, you know, they're getting the lines and things like that. Right. So it, it's really cool to hear, you know, that, yeah, this is, you know, this is like life. It's, it's full of people and people aren't perfect and mistakes will be made all around. Yeah. And editing is an amazing thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we uh, that that is the one thing we do know about here on these go to eleven is uh, the the magic and the power of editing. Uh, mm. I, I don't even know where we would be without that that option. So, um, so you talked about some of the things that um, really. Uh, didn't go so well for you. What about those really exciting moments where it was all coming together and you were just, you know, this is where, you know, you are supposed to be where you're called to be. Mm. Um, Okay. Well, I guess uh, two come to mind. Um, One was uh, on, on stopped. Um, I had this scene with, um, it was uh, the, so I played Linda Riccio, the, um, the stalker and she had a boyfriend and it was the boyfriend's sister and she had gone to the sister and basically was just a mess and just telling her, you know, I think he's seen somebody else. And I knew it was a big scene and I knew that it was going to be, um, full of a lot of emotion. And sometimes I find that when your adrenaline gets too high, um, and I think this is just, you know, something that, doesn't come easy to me it's very hard for me to get to that place where you can express that emotion that you really need you know and and tears are an amazing thing in film you know right i know they have those sticks that you can put under your eyes i've used it once for a scene that was it was super quick and so i wasn't i didn't and they had to take a lot of takes so it was kind of one of those things where there's like we just need to see tears sure um but this scene was like you needed to get there and i got there and that was that was one of the first times that I felt like, okay, I can, I can do this. If I, if I can really believe that I'm this person and I can get there and I, you know, I've done the character work to, to reach this point, then, you know, I belong here. Yeah. And, um, and that was, that was really cool. And then the other one was, um, for the 48 hour film project, which was so hard. And I was so, um, I was having such a hard time with the lines because not that they weren't well-written, they were extremely well-written, which is the only reason that I was actually able to learn them so quickly. But when you're under all that pressure to be the lead in a scene where you're kind of leading the lines, you're asking the questions, the other person is responding. Yep. You have to make sure that you're asking the questions. You have to make sure that you're saying the lines correctly, even though, you know, you're supposed to be taking on this person. The director was like, you know, if you need to change anything, like no big deal. Um, you know, just do, do what you feel you or how you would say it. But in such a short time, it's very hard to do that. Right. And we had one big scene and, uh, we got to, I think it was like the second or third take. And I looked up after, you know, he said cut and he was like, he had tears in his eyes. And I was just like, oh my gosh, 
we got somebody else there, somebody else behind the camera. We got them there. Nice. And that is probably why I just love film so much. Because when I when I sit there and watch somebody and they can make me feel something like that, I I just have no words for it. I think it's the most amazing thing that you can just you you can feel somebody else's pain and joy and all of those emotions when you're watching them on a screen. That is, uh, that's so cool. Um, Jamie, unfortunately we are, uh, running out of time very quickly. Um, but thank you so much for coming on and, um, you know, just, uh, sharing what you do, um, and, you know, what you do from the perspective of being a Christian and a believer. Uh, it's just, uh, so great. And, um, you know, I know so many people will be encouraged by this and, you know, just really be fascinated by uh, your story and what you've done. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. We're going to go ahead and sign off now. Uh, Jamie, I'm going to close uh, as Greg and I close everything. We just rock the Casbah. These go to 11.